We are Marquette. 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 I'm Sarah Hauer, and I'm a reporter at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Freshman year, you know, I get on campus and I'm super go-getter. I want to introduce myself to the Marquette Tribune and get involved. And so my second story was out of my comfort zone. So there was, it was, the story that the news editor wanted covered was the Trojan Condoms does a sexual health survey every year and ranks the different schools. And so she wanted a story on that. And so I wrote up a story. I wrote about what the survey said and had talked to the people who had administered it, whatever. And so then I turned that in and she goes, oh, this is great, but we really need some student voices in it. And so little freshman me got sent to go talk to people about sexual health on campus with strangers, right? And you're just like, let alone being an awkward freshman and then you have to go up to strangers and ask them about their like sexual health. That's breaking a lot of unwritten social codes right and so that was definitely I was uncomfortable but you need I I think it was good that I had to do something so far out my comfort zone just to decide oh this was this was interesting this was worthwhile I produced something of value to my community it was interesting to learn what what people thought about the services that were available on campus and I actually ended up the next year when I was a news reporter building off that story and did a whole series on sexual health on campus. You can have interesting data or you can have a a news event, but unless you can understand how that's affecting people's day-to-day lives or understand what they think about it, it's it's not that worthwhile, right? To be able to peel back the layers and get the story behind how that actually affects people and what it actually means is so much more powerful than just saying X, Y, or Z happened or just throwing out a specific data point. I loved leadership in student media. I thought it was so fun. It's a really weird environment because you're leading your peers. And so to be able to assemble a team and set the tone for what the year was going to be like, it was a time when a lot was happening in student media in terms of how the different entities worked together, and it was tumultuous. It was also the same year that we had a lot of shakeup in the administration at the university, so there was a lot of news happening to write about, too. And so to be able to decide how we were going to handle that and how we were all going to, to work together was great. And for me to be able to work with younger reporters and guide them on reporting and then help them articulate it authentically is really fun. You know, you're just a student yourself, so do you know everything? No. But you have a little bit more experience so that you can at least, you know, say, I don't know how we should do this, but we should for sure talk about it. If you started doing journalism in high school, right, so then you rose through the ranks of your high school paper, you were editor of your high school paper, and then you come and you're bottom of the totem pole again. And so then, whereas just a year ago you were calling the shots and people thought that you knew what was up, now you're at the bottom again. And then 
that happens again when you go into a newsroom for the first time. And I think that is so important to remember at every step, you're not this hot shot <laughs> and you're not that great. And usually your editor has a good idea. Every time you go through editing, the hope is that whatever you turned in, it can get better still. In no way do I ever think not a single comma can be moved, right? And so I was able to work with Raquel Rutledge and Davon Haver during graduate school who are both Pulitzer Prize winning reporters. Like there are no better reporters that you can work with. And what's so, I think what's so cool about having worked with them is that you really, you get to report alongside them because reporting is an independent practice, but it's a thought process that you have to go through. And so to go out, talk to people, come back, tell Raquel and Dave what I've been hearing and what I have gathered, and then to hear the questions that they have about what I've learned so far really helps you think like, oh, like that's how that's how a really good story comes together is that you have to think about all these different aspects of the story that you're working on and continually dig deeper. And both of them are extremely, extremely detailed. No one wants, you know, second best information, but every single point that was going to be made in any of those stories, we had to determine that this is the best number to be using right now. And so sometimes just to write a sentence, I felt like it was so much work just to write a sentence, but they turned out really, really good. There's no doubt in my mind that I am madly in love with you. There's one last thing. (laughs) So I started watching The Bachelor like a decade ago, and it was just a thing I did with girlfriends from high school and when we went to college it was something that kept us together because every Monday night we'd all be watching all across the country and texting or messaging or whatever and it was something that kept us in touch with each other and it is my I don't even call it a guilty pleasure because I love it right I love the drama I love analyzing it we draft the contestants and try to figure out who's gonna do well and keep track of points for things like, you know, if you they, they kiss in a hot tub or there's candles in the frame or all that kind of stuff. Or if they go on a helicopter ride or there's fireworks. So it's just like fantasy football, but it's with the, the Bachelor and the Bachelorette. And so it had been established in the newsroom when I was an intern and then as a as a reporter that I watched this show. It was it was a well-known fact. And so then when Nick Vile was all of a sudden named The Bachelor, I freaked out the next day, came in and was like, we need to we need to figure out what we're going to do about this because it's a it's a big deal. Another reporter and I, we would switch off writing recaps and just had so much fun getting to be snarky and sassy and tell people what happened, but then also give a little bit of a Wisconsin twist on it and bring back things like how he was uh, 
track star, how he won state in the 800 and ran for UWM and talking to his college roommates about what were his moves with girls back then. And this is still my favorite fun fact. He would buy a bottle of wine and watch the movie Serendipity. That was like his big move, which is funny because I had never seen Serendipity. And then I watched it just because I knew that this was Nick Vile's big move. It's a terrible movie. It is not a good rom-com. And I'm like a huge rom-com lover, and I don't think it's good. I'm pretty sure Nick Vile has like blocked me on the internet. I don't know. I tweet at him all the time, and he has never once responded. I don't I don't think he's he's interested in interacting. But then what's been fun is since then, we've had a lot of Wisconsin connections to the show. And so after Nick, he had Rachel, who's a Marquette Law School alum, uh, on his season. And then she became the Bachelorette. That was exciting. Then she had Peter Krause was on her season. He grew up in Madison and lives there now. Now the Bachelorette is Minnesotan. So I'm very excited about that. And I get really jacked about all the Minnesota love happening around that. Oh, but so then one of the story that I just wrote yesterday was about one of the contestants on her season is a guy from Mequon. He went to Homestead High School. He was a football player and ran track there. And then he played for UW football. There is always a Wisconsin or Milwaukee connection to this show. In a day of analytics, people are interested. They're curious. They want to know, especially if someone that you went to high school or you ran track with against ends up on a reality TV dating show. Like, you want to know. Now I can see every morning how all my stories are doing. So that's a whole different world. So we'll see how this one does. But I know I heard from other people in the newsroom that it significantly affected traffic. I think what's so interesting about the show is that there's such a social component. So, you know, I gather with friends every Monday night to watch it. We have wine and cheese and it's an event. But then also there's a whole world happening on social media. Twitter is big in the Bachelorette, Bachelor Nation world. So like you miss out if you're only, if you just like watch it by yourself on Tuesday, right? Like you need the the full experience of sitting with your friends, drinking wine and looking on Twitter to see what snarky comments people are making. And it does feel a little weird that we've continually had these legitimate reasons to write about this reality TV dating show that I'm obsessed with. It's most weird to think that Rachel like went to Marquette. I've never personally met her. I'm still a little bitter about that. I've tried to meet her a few times. But she seems like such a boss lady. The Bachelorette is a really tough role to be in. And then it is refreshing to feel like I'm seeing someone who I would want to be friends with and who I think I would, you know, I could go to brunch with you and we would have interesting, depth-filled conversation about how we view the world, you know? A little less than a year ago, I switched jobs at the Journal Sentinel, so now I'm a business reporter, and I focus my reporting on how are young people interacting with the economy. So people kind of like under 40-ish, live around downtown, what are they interested in? What kind of products do they want to buy? What kind of workplace are they interested in having? Um, And what do they want to know about? And out of conversations with editors, we decided I should do a newsletter. And I 
had this idea of what a newsletter that I would want to write would be, but didn't really have like a good way of explaining what it would be. I was like, well, it's it's what I want to tell people about. Because one of the problems I think that general interest publications and city publications have is that we produce so much content every day that sometimes it's hard to find the stuff that you're interested in. And so my idea was for that that target audience that I'm going for of young people, let's write a newsletter just for them where I'm pulling out what I think is is of interest, things that I want to know so that I can do it on the weekends or I can talk about it with coworkers or have something to bring up when I'm at drinks with my friends. And that was kind of the idea. And so I actually, like, I wrote a couple samples of, like, what it would be before even having, like, a real concept or name or idea for it. I was just like, if I wrote a newsletter today, these are the stories that I would pull. And this is what I find myself talking about all the time anyway. That's how people like to communicate, right? So I also have the leniency to be really, really loose and casual in my newsletter so that I get to write it just like how I tell my friends or my roommates about the stories that I write or the stories that other reporters write during the day. Last week, one of my stories was about dogs on Instagram. You know, it's not just human influencers anymore. People's dogs are legitimately making money from doing sponsored Instagram posts. Like, that is wild. Like, that is so 2018 social media, whatever. I don't even know. I Instagram my own dog a lot and, you know, just putting it out there. She does not have any sponsors. A few people have replied to me before because I post a lot of pictures from around town asking if something was an ad. And I'm like, well, no, I'm I'm a reporter. Like, no, this is just I took my dog to this brewery and took a picture. One of the things I was talking with another reporter about this morning, they stepped over at my desk to make sure that the story was going to go into my newsletter, was about lighting the Hone Bridge and how there's a campaign going on to light the Hone Bridge. That's something that fits right into my newsletter where it's very city-centric. There's a lot of city pride in my newsletter. You know, it's called BMKE, and that just slips right in of something that's going on in our backyard that you'll want to know about because you you might want to participate. You might think that that's a really cool endeavor to be able to do my best at the newsletter. I read absolutely every article that is published in our publication. To the best of my ability, I read everything, trying to to make sure that I'm not missing something because sometimes I'll read through an article and there might just be like a tiny little snippet of it that I'm like, that blew my mind. That's awesome. Like one of the things now that kind of guides me when I'm picking stories for my own, sometimes I think, would I want to put this in my newsletter? And I, if I think no, I think then maybe I shouldn't be doing this story. Advice for others. I remember when we were in undergrad going through all the changes in student media, trying to go to a more converged model. And it felt like this was all just coming down from the adults telling us that this is how we should be doing things and whatever. And we didn't want to and we rolled our eyes. And But then media is changing a lot. There's new stuff popping up every day. If you would have told me a few years ago that I would write a newsletter or be on podcasts or do Instagram stories that I do for the Journal Sentinel, I wouldn't have understood, right? And 
we're continually at the newspaper trying to figure out how to continually make those changes because we don't have it all figured out yet either. But so recognizing that no one has it all figured out. Because it's like the way people consume media is changing so much. The tone that they're interested in getting is so different. Because I think one of the successes of my newsletter with a younger audience is that I get to write in kind of like this irreverent tone where I was talking to someone from Pointer. She she was saying, you know, for for years we we brought the news to people's doorstep. Many people still get the news that way. But what's the what's the current doorstep? Like, that is a, a very big investment to make, to, like, physically bring the news to someone's doorstep. That's not as practical anymore for the way that people go about their day-to-day lives. But that's thinking about being on Instagram and doing a story because that's where people are. And so then that's bringing it to their doorstep. 